Here on today's Talk of the Market Marketing Talk podcast. This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. On today's MarTech Interviews, we have with us Tom Webster, Senior Vice President at Edison Research. Welcome, Tom. Hi, Doug. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I, I was, uh, we, we chatted just really briefly before the podcast, and I, I said to you that um, I listened to you and Mark Schaefer, uh, your bi-weekly podcast, uh, and over the last year, I feel like you and I are friends, except that I don't talk to you. And you don't really know me other than, you know, I think we met once and, and I think we did another podcast together. Uh, so it's a strange, strange thing. Uh, it is. Well, well, we, I know that we have met. I know. I think the last time was at uh, maybe at Social Media Marketing World, I think, maybe. did you Probably. Yeah. Probably a couple of years ago. Something. Yeah. I, I think that's a couple, a couple of years ago. Uh, and podcasts are like that. I mean, they're, you know, since most podcast consumption happens between those, you know, little white earbuds. It's a, uh, it's a very intimate medium. And so people really do feel like they have uh, a connection with the hosts of the, of a particular podcast, which is of course not true because I don't like people. <laughs> well, you've, if you've been in marketing, you know, long enough that I think that's the disease that everybody gets. <laughs> no, no doubt. <laughs> I always tell people I love my clients. I hate my clients. I love my clients. Uh, but no. And and today we wanted to talk about podcasting because Edison Research, uh, I mean, uh, seriously, is there another expert out there that's really tracking podcast statistics as a, you know, mainstream channel uh, for speaking? I don't think so. I think you guys are it, right? Yeah, I mean, it, we've, we, I mean, we're in general just a, we're a general market research agency. But over the twenty-four years of our existence, uh, we've definitely, I guess, developed the name in digital audio of all kinds. So you know, streaming, streaming audio, music services, and podcasting, and now smart speakers. I mean, we're, we're sort of the, uh, well, not sort of. I'm, just, I'm just going to go out and say it. Uh, we're, we're, I think, the first name in in digital audio research. So. Uh, you know, we, we come out with new numbers on podcasting every year and, and really if it, if it happens, uh, between your ears or, or goes into your ears, we're, we're kind of on top of it. I hope. Well, I, you're doing a spectacular job and that's one of the things that we want to talk uh, about today. And I, you know, I answer these questions in my, um, in my unprofessional role <laughs> as a podcaster, you know, companies come and ask me, why should we be podcasting? Should we be podcasting? What's the advantages, but you're the expert. So I want to, I want to deflect <laughs> and go to you <laughs> straight to the source and talk about this because podcasting is now, uh, what, 13 years old more. Yeah. A little more. I mean, we've been tracking it for 13 years now, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been around at least 15. And yet it's really just skyrocketing in popularity recently, right? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting what's happened with podcasting and that in terms of popularity, if we, if we treat that as, you know, persons listening, it's never really skyrocketed in the same way that digital video did or, uh, 
or some other thing I can't think of right now. So I'll just say digital video again. Um, it's been a it's been a long kind of linear growth pattern. You know, it goes from seventeen percent monthly to you know twenty one percent monthly. Now it's twenty four percent monthly, and we're going to put out uh, brand new numbers in just one month, actually. So that twenty four percent monthly is is a, a little long in the tooth. That number, but our, our new number comes out in a month. Um, so it's it's grown healthily and steadily. But what has really grown over the past couple of years is uh, are the dollars that are going into the medium. And that's a result of uh, advertisers being interested now in, and more interested than ever in the relationship between host and podcast and content and message. And money is flowing into the space. You have companies like Gimlet getting monetized uh, with millions of dollars of, of uh, capital to do things. Uh, you have you know this. Our clients uh, at NPR are uh, are doing very well in terms of sponsorships with podcasting. So there's a lot more money flowing into the space, and as money flows into the space, that attracts better content, that attracts better production. You know, the, the space is really it, it, it's a long way from maturing, but it's it's starting to it's starting to grow up, and that's not to denigrate the efforts of previous podcasters, of which you and I are are two. Uh, it's just that. As more money flows into the space, you're starting to get sort of a, a wider purview for podcasting and, and kind of a uh, higher, uh, you know, claim or calling to being a true mass appeal medium. Yeah, well, and a lot of the prices and technologies have really knocked down the barriers, you know, as as well there, I think, you know, I, I tell people. You know, if you walked into a, a radio studio, uh, you know, you're looking at a quarter of a million dollars, you know, worth of equipment and soundproofing and everything else. And, you know, I built my studio and probably spent, you know, less than $10,000 for a really, really souped up, you know, great studio. And so the, so the barrier to entry, I think, for companies is really, really dropping significantly as well where they don't have to go out and hire engineers and go build a studio and go do all of these things that used to you know really kind of stop people right any any type of difficulty is going to make adoption a little bit harder so um yeah and there was, and even there wasn't a question you, there i just paused <laughs> you just paused i just i hate you know don't you hate awkward silences yeah Especially when you're not looking at each other, because when you're looking at each other across the table, you can stare at each other like, please save me. Um, but I can't do that on a podcast. You so know, save I've, me, Tom. I've uh, well, I'll, here's a secret, kids, the secret to a great interview. Um, I've, I've been doing focus groups. I'm a trained market researcher by trade, and I've been doing focus groups for uh, over 20 years. And one of the, the best skills you can have in a focus group is to allow awkward silences to happen because people naturally want to fill them. So there you go. It's a, it's a, another thing my sales coach ca taught me as well. Awkward silences in negotiation are very empowering. So uh, just sit across the table and be quiet when someone throws out a number. So for the next 60 seconds, listeners, uh, Doug and I aren't going to say anything. <laughs> I don't know if I can make it that long. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tom, uh, tell uh, for everybody listening to, uh, you know, talk about your history. How did you get where you are? Uh, I think you shared that on a, on a podcast with Mark, but it's a, a fascinating ride that you've been on. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been a market researcher for almost my entire career. I, I started actually um, in 
uh, English literature. You know, I, I got a bachelor's in English lit from uh, Tufts here in my home in Boston. Uh, did graduate work at Penn State. Actually taught freshman English at Penn State for a couple of years. Um, and, you know, kind of my first real job was in in market research, and it was, you know, uh, it was a it was for a company that did research in the radio industry, which uh, was a vastly different industry then than it is now. And uh, discovered that I was I was born to be a market researcher. It absolutely appealed to every single skill that I had, uh, and that's uh, you know, other than uh, another a quick digression uh, to, to business school a little bit later in life. That's essentially been my career, uh, and I've been with Edison for fourteen years now, and people. Uh, stand mouth agape when I say that because people are so used to hearing uh, people change jobs all the time. But uh, Edison's really been the perfect fit for me, and I I love audio. I love uh, all things audio, and so the you know the ability to combine that with uh, with market research for a, a great company it's been uh, it's been a pretty good fit. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, I'm curious. A uh, side question on this is. You know, as we produce content for marketer or for clients in the B2B space and everything, we pull secondary research a ton, right? We go scour and we find stuff that you guys have released and everything else. Um, but but marketers tend to obviously skew the marketing research, you know, in the favor of their products or services. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, is that a battle that you guys are up against is the kind of the the market research is the clarity the you know the concise the uh the statistically valid you know data that you're putting out but at the same time everybody in the industry is just pulling out you know the pieces that they want to promote what they have is that causing a lot of confusion in the space oh you know people cherry pick research all the time um and that's you know there's nothing nothing we can really do about that. I mean, you know, obviously there's our public work, which people are familiar with, but you know, how I get paid is, is private client work. And I think that, you know, the, the best thing you can do as a market researcher is just is simply to, you know, tell truth to power. That's, uh, that's the job. And I think our, you know, our, our best clients, I think, uh, want to see the unvarnished warts and all, um, you know, it, it's anytime, uh, we do a lot of research for, I guess, content marketing purposes. People will will hire us to do a survey uh, to help establish themselves as a thought leader in a category, to give them something to promote. Uh, you know, there's there's all kinds of evidence of that out there of of things that we've done. But as I always tell people who want to hire us for that kind of work, if you ask me to prove something, I will. If you ask a research study to prove a thing, it will prove a thing. It can be designed to do that. Uh, the, so the question I always ask people is, what do you want to learn? And, you know, I think the most uh, incurious market research is done purely for content marketing purposes. And I, I you know, I, I want to know what do you want to learn from this? What's going to make uh, what's going to make your product better? What's going to make your sales effort better? What's going to make your marketing better? And not just here's a you know, here's a stat that says we're great. Um, because I, because you are great, everybody out there, you are great. And I, you don't need research to prove that. Um, but, but yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely, you know, uh, that's a hazard with, with modern marketing and with market research. But, you know, we try to put out, uh, a number of different public studies every year, uh, 
that are at the highest standards and stand by them. And sometimes they're good news for different industries and sometimes they're not, you know, it's not, uh, you know, I think, I think I can predict that podcasting is going to grow again, but someday it's not. And we'll put that out too. Right. Right. It's fascinating. I, I just think, uh, a lot of people underestimate the, uh, the work, the talent that goes into exactly what you're talking about. Um, I, I, you know, there's times that I take surveys and I literally just roll my eyes at the survey, you know, because you can tell that it was the intern, you know, Joe that had to write the survey. And so he wrote the questions in such a way that they delivered the answers exactly the way that they wanted them to. Um, you know, and so a lot of thought wasn't put into even the way that they were going to ask the questions, the order that they're going to ask the questions, you know, so that they can get a, a, a true clarity with the response from the survey. And so I don't, I don't know what your feelings are there on, you know, what percentage of surveys out there are absolute junk, but I, I feel like a, a ton of them are. Well, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't comment on, on that, but what I would say is that, you know, the availability of so many kind of do it, you know, do it yourself, uh, research platforms, you know, things like survey monkey and, you know, you can, you can reel off a bunch of them. I have no problem with them. Uh, and in fact, uh, you know, I encourage people to use them, but the skill that I think people overestimate in themselves, uh, is the ability to write great questions. And I, you know, right. I, I, I can tell you that the meetings we have around questionnaires, I mean, we might put, you know, 10 or 20 hours just in, in questionnaire meetings for various projects to, to really, make them finely tuned and not biased and not leading and to actually deliver information that's actionable. And I've, I've, you know, people send questionnaires to me all the time just to get my feedback and advice on them. And, and it's a skill that, uh, it's a craft and it, and it takes a long time to really learn it. And it's something that I think just because you can do your own kind of self-service, do it yourself research doesn't mean you're good at it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, just because you have the technology to execute doesn't mean that you know you know what to put in it. Well, thanks, thanks for bringing clarity to my question there, Tom. It's <laughs> <laughs> my job, Doug. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's shoot back to podcasting now. Um, so, you know, the stage that we're in right now, we're still kind of premature as it comes to advertising, uh, starting to see money flow into it, uh, starting to see maybe some companies pop up that are going to deal with ad distribution and everything else, uh, within podcasting. And that's, that's always exciting. I'm, I'm still surprised by mainstream platforms that don't inherently support it. Like, mm. why can't I drop a sound file into Facebook? Why can't I drop a sound file into Twitter? Uh, it amazes me that uh, with the the attention span that you get with a listener that that social media isn't you know the perfect avenue. They just jump straight from text to video. Any any kind of feelings there? Well, the, the, a lot of those you know the platforms you mentioned have been definitely slow to embrace it. Although it's it's in the cards for Facebook that I that I do know. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, there's there you know it, but there's always the question: What are you going to look at? What are you going to look at? when you're listening to audio on Facebook and when you're, and here's the obvious answer. If you're watching video on Facebook, you are looking at Facebook. If you are listening to audio on Facebook, you don't have to be looking at Facebook and Facebook wants you to look at Facebook. So there's, you know, there's always that sort of, uh, inherent tension, but you know, the, 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 the size of the market for 
digital audio of all stripes, but certainly for, for podcasting, it's too large to ignore. So, uh, you know, you're, you're going to see it on Facebook very, very soon. Uh, you're starting to see it. You're seeing it on things like Pandora and Spotify. They're both embracing podcasting in a very big way. Um, and because they want to keep your ears on their platform and we don't always listen to music. So you're going to start seeing more and more avenues for it. But, uh, you know, you would think theoretically distribution for podcast audio would be infinite, but there are absolutely ways to make it more accessible and more available. And I think, uh, just being able to, you know, click on something on Twitter and listen to it, um, would go a long way. I totally agree. Yeah. I always tell people that there's, you know, early adoption has great risk, right? That if you jump in too soon, um, you know, we saw that with videos, a, a lot of video conferencing and, and cool, you know, video software just went down the tubes and those people built audiences there and lost those audiences there with that investment. Um, with podcasting though, are we, I think we're past obviously that stage. The risk isn't, I don't know what the risk really is at this point. And the competition isn't that fierce at a niche level within an industry, is it? You know, if you're a, you know, let's say you're a financial consultant, the opportunities there to start your own podcast and actually build an audience there rather than, let's say, with YouTube or with textual content on a blog, do you feel that those people have a lot more opportunity to gain momentum and, and maybe drive some market share there? You know, I, on, on average, no, I don't. Um, I, think it's, I think it's really hard to do a great podcast. And you, if you think about it, you know, let's say you are, uh, you're an accountant and you want to produce a podcast about accounting. It's going to be helpful to people. You're going to share information that might help your clients. Your competition is not other accounting firms. Your competition is This American Life. Your competition is Serial. Your competition is Up First or The Daily. You know, you're, you're competing for someone's ears that they could otherwise have spent listening to something else, listening to another, uh, another quality piece of audio entertainment. And, you know, not everybody's good at podcasting. Um, so I, I might... You know, it should you know if you have the time to do one and you want to do one, you should do one. Uh, if your goal is to attract audience, then I think you you need to invest to do it right. If your goal is uh, is to do something that essentially services your you know your circle of clients and prospects, then by all means go for it. But I think a podcast has to be an entertainment at the end of the day uh, because it's in terms of, you know, information transfer, it's a pretty inefficient medium, right? I could read a, I could skim a blog post in a couple of minutes to get the information that I might get from listening to a podcast for 60 minutes. Uh, and I know that on uh, the marketing companion, the podcast I do with Mark Schaefer, we, we focus, uh, we focus a lot on making it an entertainment as well as something about marketing because, you know, your, your competition is much broader than you think because you really can't do much else when you're listening to a podcast, it's not a great multitasking thing, right? I mean, you can you can mow the lawn or jog or something like that, but uh, you know, I can't do my job and listen to a podcast. I can't do it. I'm not I'm not smart enough to do that. So, you know, I, I would I would advise people if you're going to do it and you want to do to, is, is to do it right. To, to, to imagine that you are not just uh, transmitting information, but you're also trying to uh, engage an audience. Well, that's great, great insight and the things that you talked about that might be a disadvantage are also an advantage in podcasting as well, though, that if you are mowing along or jogging or you're dedicated and listening intently to what's 
carried through that podcast where you're not maybe looking at four different windows on your screen or getting bothered by other things or distracted or bouncing back and forth. Is that, uh, I, don't some of the statistics kind of prove the, the engagement levels are really, really deep with podcasts? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the audience for, uh, and you may see this uh, as well in your own efforts. I mean, the audience for uh, the podcast I do with Mark is, you know, it's a fraction of Mark's blog audience, but it is a very engaged audience because again, what you just talked about, those aren't weaknesses. Those are strengths of the medium. And that's why it's attracted so much advertising money in the past couple of years, because you really do, you, know, you have to think about it this way. You know, first of all, the, the podcasting environment is, is a, it's an intimate environment. It's a relatively advertising free or ad Spartan environment. You might have a, you know, a pre-roll, a mid-roll and, you know, maybe one or two other messages. Uh, so you're not, competing with a ton of other uh messages like you know like like, on, like you see on commercial radio which might run 15 commercials or 18 commercials an hour um so th that's very appealing to an advertiser and the second thing is that the 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 audience the current audience for podcasting it's a you know it's an affluent fairly well educated 25 to 44 ish uh in general kind of audience and that's an audience that has increasingly cut the cord, subscribes to Netflix, listens to Pandora or Spotify, and listens to podcasts. And all four of those things I just named are either commercial free or have very few commercials. So it's becoming an increasingly difficult audience to reach. It's, you know, we talk about addressable audience a lot in digital audio and the addressable audience uh, in that in that particular demographic, and you know, in, in other demographics as well, uh, you don't have a lot of actual opportunities to reach them with messaging. So the the podcast buy, I think, is in some ways it's a premium buy. Hmm. Are you are you saying that I'm going to be hawking mattresses on my next podcast? You know, if they call, <laughs> Doug, take the call. I'm guessing that you listen to a lot of podcasts. Is that? Do you hear that too? Yeah, the, the mattress, mattress wars are pretty wars. interesting. It's a, it's a, uh, you know, between between mattresses <laughs> and, uh, and you know, meal delivery services. I'll just say, yeah, that's, yes. you know, that's supporting about two thirds of the uh, of the podcast environment. Um, I, yeah, I've got a friend of mine, uh, Marshall, who runs a, a company in uh, Dallas called Ad Results, and they specialize in. Uh, performance marketing, right? It's, it, it, they don't get, they don't get paid unless, unless you're selling stuff. And at this point, I think he's, uh, and I'm not exaggerating here about one fifth of the podcasting dollars go through him, go through his agency. Wow. Uh, and it's all of these companies that are, uh, that are looking for an exclusive environment, you know, a, a, either a premium environment or an exclusive environment. And I'm sure you and I could both easily name the the companies that we're alluding to here that sell make at home meals and mattresses and, and things like that. Um, and that's because it works. It really works. Yep. And so that's why you're, again, seeing a lot of money pour into the space. The, the surprising thing to me is from a relevant standpoint, like I'll be listening to a political podcast and the guy's talking about the mattress that he slept on last night. And, and I'm always surprised that you know, my, my feeling is, you know, like you, Tom, I trust Tom with market research, but when Tom starts talking about mattresses, I'm not so sure that I trust Tom, you know, uh, you might be a mattress connoisseur. Don't get me wrong, but I know everything there is to know about mattresses, Doug Carr. Um, 
I and I resent the implication that there is anything I don't know a lot about, including mattresses. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! But it it just seems eerie to like whenever I I, I feel like we're back with uh, Johnny Carson selling Alpo. You know, um, oh, yeah. and hopefully some of some of the listeners, you know, make that. Well, uh, I, w- I will say this: uh, that, reference. That I will say this: podcasting, in and of itself, doesn't impart that much of a halo on a message. If you just pulled, you know, the audio from a, a Geico commercial off the radio and played it in a podcast, you might get a smidge more of a bump from the podcast in terms of of brand lift. What what really provides the brand lift on a on a podcast is are things that are really tailored to the medium, things that are natively delivered, th- things that sound like the podcast, things that match up well with the host, uh, especially if they're read by the host, I think. And that, you know, that's as old as that's as old as radio. I mean, you know, I, we know from years and years of research that endorsement advertising uh, on radio, on podcasts, whatever it is, has enormous value. I mean, I, I think back to one of my favorites of all time, uh, in terms of uh, a host endorsement of a product uh, was uh, Don Imus. When Don Imus was on the air, Imus in the morning, for uh, people who remember that show or, or don't remember Don Imus, who's a, a broadcaster, syndicated broadcaster uh, out of New York City. Pioneer. Yeah. Pioneer. Uh, a, f- a famous uh, alcoholic, recovering alcoholic, you know, s- dead sober now and has been for, uh, you know, decades, I think. But uh one of my favorite ads that he ever had on his show was when he would do uh, advertising for Buckler non-alcoholic beer because it's it's being read <laughs> by someone who was a famous recovering alcoholic. And uh, he would always make up these funny taglines like, Buckler, you'll pee just as much, except not in a phone booth. <laughs> But there's, but that shows great relevance as well as you absolutely, know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, if you, if he were a famous not recovering alcoholic, then you know, I don't, I don't know that that message would, would go very far. <laughs> right, 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 you're right. Yeah, and let's talk about that a little bit because I, I like what you were talking about there from a uh, engagement standpoint. I, I always tell people that I, I feel personally, and I haven't seen data on this, and perhaps you guys have it, that podcasting actually has an advantage over something like video because I, I feel like people that are listening to podcasts are creating the video in their own head. And so they're they're very focused on the words that are being said and the emotions and the tonality and everything else. And I, and I almost feel like it's more engaging than just a, a video where you're spoon fed, you know, basically what the message is visually. Oh yeah. That's absolutely the case. Um, you know, if you were to watch the, a, a video of our discussion, it would probably not be all that interesting. Um, I'm sitting at my kitchen counter, right? I'm, I'm not, I'm not juggling. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's not particularly engaging. I think it's really, I think good video is really difficult to do. Um, but you know, because you have that theater of the mind aspect of podcasting, it is super engaging. It is, uh, it does provoke a thoughtfulness, I think, which which the medium takes very good advantage of. And again, that's why it's so great for messaging of any kind, and not, you know, not just advertising. And you know, we certainly have sponsors on our podcast, but uh, you don't you don't have to. You can just simply do it for the for the love of it. Um, but the message that you are imparting, I think, people engage with just by default more strongly than they might otherwise on video. Um, you know, if that is, if you don't suck. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I suck. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, I'll, I'll and t- that's I'll, our show, folks. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. To- I, I, you know, I want to touch on that just for a, a second because. I always feel with my show, uh, I'm kind of the Chris Farley of podcasters. You know, the you remember, <laughs> you remember the show where he was like, "Oh my God, why did I say that?" You know, um, that that's that's kind of the the podcasting that I do. But I depend solely on the person that I'm bringing on board, you know, to really bring up the the conversation and, and notch and everything else. And I think to some extent that that's what's endearing to my listeners. I mean, our podcast, we have, we have significantly grown. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're well over 5,000 downloads an episode, which I think is from an industry standpoint. That's good. That's, that's significant. really good. And, and I think one of the things that's endearing is, well, Doug's not some, you know, uh, Harvard, business guy and he's not going to use all of this, you know, multi-syllable words. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's a down, he's a down to earth marketer just trying to get at the bottom of this. And that's endearing to a business person uh, that's like me, you know, that we're not sophisticated. We're just trying to figure this stuff out as well. And so one of the things that I always try to do as a podcaster that maybe isn't as entertaining, doesn't have the production flow and everything else is, Man, just bring on good people, and and if you can let them shine, um, I think you know Mark Schaefer. I'm gonna, you know, Mark gave me the opportunity of a lifetime to work with him on uh, yeah, Dell Luminaries. Yeah, and I, and I asked him why, and Dell and and Mark said when I was on your show, you made me feel like a star. And that's my goal is my goal isn't to talk about my business, my challenges, my anything. My goal is if I can bring someone great onto the show, ask them some pointed questions that are confusing me, that they can bring clarity to me personally. And obviously that's going to bring clarity to my audience. And so that, that entertainment kind of factor that you're talking about, you know, honestly, I lean on you guys for that a lot more than myself. Well, I would say two things here. Number one, uh, I knew you had 5,000 downloads a month or a show. I, I would have dressed better because um, I'm, I'm not very well dressed. Or juggled. At the moment. Or juggled or something. Yeah, no, but congratulations on that. That's definitely, that's a, that's a great audience. But the other thing I, I'll- That's a 10-year ride. That's, a, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, someone once asked me, uh, I, was, I spoke at a market research conference once, and uh, someone from the audience asked me how I got so many Twitter followers because you know I don't have a lot compared to- some of the marketing gurus we know, but I, I do compared to market researchers. Um, and I said, well, it's simple. Start 10 years ago. Right. <laughs> that was my advice. Yeah. Because you just build it up over time. But the other thing I, I would say to that, Doug, and I think you're very good at this, um, Alex Bloomberg, uh, w- formerly with Planet Money, now is uh, at Gimlet doing things like startup and uh, you know, creating a lot of great podcast content there. An amazing interviewer, fantastic interviewer. And he once gave this advice, and that is that to be a great interviewer, you cannot be afraid to ask stupid questions. You have to ask the dumb questions. You have to ask the the questions that would make you know would make you seem like you were naive, because the audience doesn't know. The audience doesn't know, and these are the questions that the audience would ask. And so, even if the interviewer is a, is an incredibly smart and erudite person, you have to sort of uh, you know rid yourself of the curse of knowledge and. And pretend like you don't know anything. And that's the secret to getting a great interview. 
Well, I'm not pretending, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> well, this is this has been an incredible conversation. When uh, when are your next round of podcasting stats coming out? Yeah, so our our sort of annual flagship study of, of all things audio, the Infinite Dial is coming out on March 8th. Uh, I know that there's some information at our website, edisonresearch.com, right on the homepage for that. Um, and that is, we're going to, this year we're doing it on, on, as a Facebook Live. Oh. Um, and my, my, yeah, we've actually, we've built a set. We have a little, we have a, a step and repeat backdrop. And my uh, co-host, John Rosso from Triton Digital and I are both going to be wearing tuxes. It's going to look like Hockey Night in Canada. That's fantastic. Um, and we're... <laughs> Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it up. We're, we had some really great experiments with Facebook Live for some research presentations last year, uh, just well produced and, and well received and attended. And so uh, we're we're kind of removing the the gate, as it were, of of using a webinar platform and just having it on Facebook Live. Uh, so really, anybody with a browser can watch it. I'm not sure how deep you are in from a technology standpoint, but uh, we've been using Switcher Studio for some of our clients. It's a multi-camera, mm -hmm. you know, multi-iOS device setup, and it has been absolutely working fantastic. So, just uh, you know, intros, huh. outros, you know, um, you know, switching screens, um, you can switch to a laptop. Uh, so I'm throwing that out there. They are not a sponsor, <laughs> yeah. But I'm, but I'm throwing it out there that I have never, you know, we were going to go down the route of actually building the video side of our studio. And again, the equipment was going to be, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars to get, you know, some really great equipment in there. And with Switcher Studio, I think it's twenty nine dollars a month. We bought three iPad Pros, you know, to get the higher huh. um, camera, you know, uh, viewports, and uh, and it has been stunning what we've been able to accomplish with it. So just throwing that out Good there tip. as a tip, if yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we and, use Wirecast. Um, oh, fantastic! To, to actually, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's that's proven to be a pretty good purchase. So yet another company yeah. that is not sponsoring this podcast, Wirecast. Yeah, they they <laughs> I, I have looked at Wirecast as well, especially because of the support of cameras. Um, so you know you're not limited to just you know iOS devices there. So yep. uh, Wirecast is has got a great name in the industry, and again, affordable. These 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 tools are, you know, just coming down in price so much. It's absolutely incredible. We're fortunate to have a great staff, a uh, great team at Edison. And the, the last one I did, uh, it just looked like me in front of a camera, but uh, there were five people working on it, you know, making sure that, we, you know, video got switched to, that uh, video that we ran got switched to, and, and the sound was good, and, and the slides came up. And, you know, it was a, it, it, it takes a little effort, but it's very rewarding. Beautiful. And, and so if we go to the Edison Research uh, page on Facebook, we can subscribe to that. Yeah, you can. Uh, you can. We do have a page on Facebook. We don't update our Facebook page very often, but uh, that it'll certainly be there. We're going to promote it on our website. And well, that's even that's, but that's obviously that, good because yeah. you're not going to be bugging us with videos every day. So um, no. So uh, subscribing there would be probably your good. And do you, is there a way to uh, subscribe to Edison Research to get notifications? Yeah. Um, you, 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 via if, email you, as well. Yeah. If you go, if you go to edisonresearch.com, you'll you'll be at some point, harangued by a lovely pop-up that asks if you want to subscribe to get updates. But uh, and I can tell you, as the person who writes those emails, we only send out about six a year, and it's always new research. So uh, it's it's a it's a non-solicitation email 
so if you will, if you just want to keep up with the various industries that we track, um, it's a it's a good and not very intrusive uh, or invasive way to go. Beautiful. And then my last question: any additional variables uh, that that you're going to surprise us with on this March eighth about podcasting? Are you taking a deeper dive anywhere? Well, the thing that uh, we've actually spent a lot of work recently on um, is a research series called the Smart Audio Report that we've done in conjunction with NPR. Uh, and that's all about the impact that smart speakers are, are having and things like the, you know, the Amazon Alexa series of products or Google Home and, and others. And that's, uh, we're, we're very, very bullish on, on that whole aspect of technology because it's, it's, uh, you know, it's beyond just a, a cool way to listen to music, but it, it's how we are talking to computers and how we are, uh, you know, how we are engaging with technology is changing. And I think more than ever before, more than uh, more than just with podcasting, I think a brand needs to have an audio strategy, period. And that audio strategy uh, has to embrace the fact that we are talking to computers now and those computers are talking back to us. Uh, and sometimes in the in the voice of brands, and sometimes with skills from brands. So having an audio strategy is something I think every every brand has to consider. Well, and um, and full circle with podcasting as well, right? I, I I've added a skill to my uh, Alexa that takes any subscription to uh, uh, actually I don't even have to be subscribed to the podcast. I can just search for the podcast through Alexa and listen to the latest episode. And then of course Apple you know, has launched its, its speaker, but, uh, Siri will speak to anything that you're, um, any, any of the podcasts that you are subscribed to within the podcast app on iOS, you can play, uh, you can have Siri play. And then of course, Google, uh, is doing it as well, where I think Google, you don't have to be subscribed either. You can just search no. for any podcast and, and have it play. So those, those, those voices coming up, even when it comes to podcasting as a great, you know, if you're vacuuming the house or whatever, um, you know, you can sit there and talk to Alexa and have her put on the latest podcast, which is pretty, pretty cool. Uh, it is. And I've had to, you know, we've had to rename our Alexa here at the house because I do so many interviews with journalists and so many podcasts <laughs> where I, where I trigger that sucker 40 times a day by accident. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to turn it off. So we finally had to rename it. Can you do that? Can you actually rename it? Yeah. It's, uh, ours is, uh, ours has been renamed. Uh, you, you don't, you can't rename it anything. There's a, there's a finite uh, choice. Uh, let's see. Let's see if she's listening. Uh, we renamed ours. We renamed ours to Echo. So, so yeah, Echo. I, you only have a couple choices, I think, right? Yeah, you, you, I think you can. You can call it Alexa. You can call it Echo. You can call it uh, Computer. <laughs> I don't know um, what the other ones are, but uh, uh, but you, you can't name it Bob. <laughs> I, I am looking forward to that because voice is another one that I am I am just seeing spectacular growth. Although I will say this, uh, oh, one thing I wanted to say before we go, Tom, is please tell the NPR folks how much uh, we enjoy the production quality of their podcasts. Absolutely incredible. That's awesome. They're they're good. They're good at audio. Yeah, they really are. I mean, it's it's uh, it makes a guy like me really jealous that I don't have a, a team of, you know, however many hundreds of people working on my podcast. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and I, I've I've been unable to convince my wife that I need a ten thousand dollar Neumann mic. Yeah, but I'm going to I'm going to keep trying. 
<laughs> and then the, the on the voice side that we were just talking about, it is people really need to start thinking about that we are at the earliest, earliest stages because these devices are pretty stupid at this point, right? I mean, you can use a couple names and you can tell it to turn something on or off. That's That's kind of what we're limited to. But the opportunity with natural language processing and adding exceptions and adding this and integrating with third-party devices and writing data for us, or maybe even writing an article on WordPress or whatever, all of these, all of these doors are going to be opening in the next few years that are going to transform voice. Yeah. And, and they're getting, you know, they're getting smarter all the time and they're constantly updating themselves. So you don't even know that they're getting smarter. So right. they don't become, uh, obsolete in ways that other kinds of technology do. And, you know, it, there are certain things that uh, astound me that the, you know, again, we have an Alexa that the Alexa can do. I mean, it'll, it'll play 20 questions. It's really good at that. Um, it'll, you know, it will chat with you and it's smarter than the old basic program, Eliza, which just spit back your sentence. You know, how do you feel about breaking your neck? Um, <laughs> <laughs> things like that. Um and also, uh, they're you know they're getting smarter all the time, and and what we can do with them is getting smarter. Uh, I know the BBC has done uh, an interactive podcast. I think it's called the Interrogation, where it's it's actually a bit of a of an audio choose your adventure, and we're going to start to see more and more of that. I know our friends at NPR are constantly innovating, um, and you can imagine a time when you're hearing the news. Let's say you're listening to you know Morning Edition or something on on your uh, on your smart speaker. And it mentions a uh, you know cap and trade or something like that, and the and your device lights up and tells you that if you want to know more about cap and trade, you can ask it, and, and it then gives you you could just say you know stop, tell me more about cap and trade, and you get some uh, you know pre-produced uh, informative segment on that to expand your knowledge. And th those things are coming. Um, and what's even more exciting, I think, is when it just gets baked into vehicles, and that's happening as well. Right. Uh, and the technology is just going to disappear at that point. It's just going to be invisible to you. You're just going to go go in, sit in your car, and say, I want to listen to this podcast, and your car is going to play it, and it's just going to be completely frictionless. I, I'm looking forward. I, I'm so glad that my kids are growing up so that we don't argue over what's playing on the radio, though. Yeah. You can just hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and and then of course the terrain that we haven't entered yet uh some people are diddling with it obviously and amazon this is why they're there is is the entire uh co voice commerce side of the industry that hasn't exploded yet that's 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 about to i think right and that's that it took a long time for us to get comfortable with making purchases on our mobile devices and now people are people's behaviors are starting to adjust with making voice commerce um, purchases. And, and I'm guessing that that's an exploding field that's on the horizon as well, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, Amazon is by far the category leader here. Sure. Um, and with their, you know, I think incredibly smart purchase of Whole Foods, which gives them, you know, fresh distribution sites for things in, in cities all across America. And it, it then becomes almost something as, you know, functionally magic as the replicators in, in Star Trek. You can basically just say, I'd like to have a birthday cake and have it appear at your door that day. Um, that's, you know, functionally magic in a lot of ways. And it's absolutely going to encourage commerce. Incredible. 
Well, Tom, I, I uh, let's do this more often. This is fantastic, and absolutely, I, I absolutely appreciate you being on the show. And uh, like I said, everybody, go to EdisonResearch.com. Look out on Facebook. Follow them on Facebook so that you can see this uh, next released on March eighth of the State of Podcasting. And uh, and tune in to Mark and and Tom's show as well. Uh, I just love the the podcast that you and Mark are are putting together, and and uh, the intros are always a hoot. Oh, uh, and so, Scott Monty, Scott, shout Monty. out to Scott Monty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he does an amazing job, and uh, you you guys, I've looked up to you guys uh, my entire career. So, um, looking forward to catching up again. Thanks, Doug. Enjoyed it. The MarTech Interviews podcast is recorded at DK New Media's state-of-the-art podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com. <laughs>